0: Welcome back to the high tech freedom sales podcast. This is episode number 122. So I have a question for you. Have you ever worked for a company that has gone through change? Of course you have. All companies do. Have you ever worked with or for a company that did not manage well through that change? Eh, Many of us have, and it's, it's frustrating and painful. Well, my guest today, Marsha Acker, has built a profession around helping leaders improve how they communicate and manage through these changes. As sales leaders, as sales professionals, there are some great nuggets in this episode. For example, uh, Martha dives into her insights on creating space for open dialogue during change, the role of individual contributors during change, and how leadership can challenge their own views to discover new and better ideas, because at the end of the day, we're always innovating. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. Chris Freeman. I'm a high-tech sales leader, real estate investor, and lifetime learner. Well, Marsha, welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. How are you doing today?
1: I'm good, Chris. And thanks for having me.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure. So why don't we jump right into it? So why don't you tell the audience just a little, little bit about your background? What do you do?
1: Mm. Well, today I am a, a coach with executives and leadership teams, um, but I often say I, I come uh, with a with a tech and software engineering background. So my start and my degrees were actually in software engineering. I had a super big passion for bridging um, different groups of people like end users and developers and helping them um, bridge the conversation and have better conversations. But I think one of the things that, you know, as that career grew, one of the things that I found is found myself in increasing leadership positions and out over my skis a little bit in dealing with the people side of leadership. I felt like I had the tech side down. I felt like I had the process side down, but the the people side, it felt like there was a a gap there for me. And so um, about 20 some years ago, I just began a process of um it started out by me wanting to learn to be a better leader um, and it transitioned into me working with leadership teams and coaching so
0: Excellent. Yeah, well thank you. Yeah. yeah, so today's topic will be really more around than leadership and communication and you know that's one of the things I like to do on the podcast is you know we primarily focus on tech sales professionals but there's more than just selling to build a very successful career over 20 30 maybe even 40 years and so I'm excited to have you on today because at the end of the day, leadership, whether you're formally leading, informally leading, and communication, you can't be successful without it. So looking forward to talking about that. So, Marshall, what, um, you know, you talk about leading change. Uh, well, I was doing some research on you and I, I was looking, uh, you've got a book. What's the name of your book? It's called Build
1: Your Model for Leading Change.
0: Build Your Model for Leading Change. So you talk about leading change and I I do think this is a timely topic as so many companies are adapting and figuring out how to do business differently post pandemic, you know, customers have moved all around. And the other thing is, you know, we, we have this accelerating pace of technology and tools and things like AI that can create threats or opportunities, but regardless, you, you need to adapt and change. So, I mean, so really what does leading change mean, you know, when you're out there working with executives?
1: Yeah. Well, for sure, changes um happening all day, every day. You know, I think at the at the smallest nuanced level, uh, where we we might start to change our perspective on something all the way up to, you know, huge, massive changes that are happening across an organization or an industry. I think the the essence of change is that it is always happening. And I think sometimes it can seem like we're wanting to make a difference somewhere or we're wanting something to change. We see an organization that needs to go from point A to point B, and then there's a gap. And so building your model becomes about being really clear for yourself about what is it that you're trying to change? And then how are you going to go about doing that? And how, you know, for some, we might enroll others. For For other people, we might do it through putting processes in place. But I think many of us can tell you what we're doing. Very few of us can tell you why we do it. And I think it's about getting, when we're clear about why we do it, it makes differences that we encounter with each other along the way, just easier to navigate.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure you you only have to tell them why once, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think, um, yeah, I think the the golden rule in communication is like, uh, I'm certain in sales too. It's, it's about that repetitive
0: message though. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and the reality is, it's we're human beings, right? So there's constantly things going on. There's you know, fourteen different priorities of the day, conflicts uh, with uh, any one of those. So yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's you've got to continue to communicate that. You know, what are some of the? Um, you know, when you think about some of the leaders that you've worked with, or maybe some of the organizations that you've uh, been engaged with, you know, what are some of the mistakes that maybe leaders make when trying to initiate or execute change?
1: I think, you know, one of the biggest challenges in communication in any aspect is that we we make, a, well, I think first off that um, George Fernard Shaw has this quote that I love where he says, he was a an English playwright and he says, the greatest challenge in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. <laughs> so I think that's where we start. And I think the second part of that is we as leaders, and I think leaders leadership happens at any level. Can we make this assumption that everybody sees or experiences the same reality that we do? And so, you know, if you're talking with anybody about any particular problem, whether you're trying to engage them in a sales conversation, or you're trying to, you're a leader trying to lead change in the organization, you start out, you know, making a move, setting direction in a conversation, and I think it's really natural human behavior to assume that everybody sees what you see. And I think that's probably one of the greatest mistakes we make um, from the very start. And then we proceed down that path or that conversation, assuming that everybody else is looking at the same thing that we're looking at, when in fact it really isn't. We are we all, you know, see through different lenses. We see through our own, we see through our own behavioral lens. And so it makes converse it's it's where conversation starts to break down.
0: Yes, yeah, so if if we know that, what are some things that leaders can do to check to see kind of where everybody's at with how they see things versus maybe how you see it as a leader?
1: Yeah. I think you know one um I talk a lot about the nature of being able to have a structural language, a way to actually look at the structure of our conversations and I think it's kind of fascinating that our conversations if we can Kind of assign a morally neutral language to be able to look at them, then it helps us be able to see what's happening in the conversation differently. So, for example, if uh, there's a way to look at just simply the direction that's happening in a conversation. So, if a leader makes a move, Um, and sets direction in the conversation and says, you know, I want us as an organization to go this direction, then there are actually three other actions that can happen in that conversation. Someone could follow it and get behind the idea and support it. And they say, you know, that might sound like, yep, I'm all in for that. The third action would be someone might oppose to push back and say, I disagree. You know, I, I see, I think we're missing something if we go in that direction. And then the fourth action would be to bystand, and that's just a morally neutral comment on what's happening. So a bystand in that conversation might might sound like, you know, I noticed the industry is changing quite a bit, and a bit of a question, how would this support that? So it's bystand is truly neutral. It's not getting behind something or it's not supporting it. So just as that small, simple example, one of the things that will happen in our conversations is that we'll start to leave out one of those four actions. So effective conversations have all four of those actions voiced. Um, Ineffective conversations, I uh, will start to leave one of those out. And so I think one of the ways um, really effective leaders begin to engage is just simply listening for, my hearing all four of those actions in this conversation? And if I'm not, how can I prompt for it?
0: Right. So even prompting for somebody that might be fully resistant, to pull that out, to then adjust and adapt. and
1: Yes. Yeah. Which I think is, um, so if you think about that as a leader, that can be scary. Like, uh, you know, you've got a big um, objective or a task, something that you're wanting to encourage. And the the idea, like, I think it can be very easy to fall into a trap of just um, maybe even unconsciously wanting to introduce that. I want to make a move um, with my group of leaders, and I'm really hoping that everybody is going to get behind me and support me. But I think one of the challenges that emerges is, like in those initial conversations, if we're not actually bringing out the opposition there, it seeps out later in really kind of unproductive, unhelpful ways. So, yeah, Chris, you're laughing. So yeah. I'm, I'm guessing that maybe that's resonating with you.
0: Oh well, I've been through you know big <laughs> organizations, lots of change, and you know you see the, uh, uh, the kind of the rank and file, and sales as an example you know, the, we're not at water coolers, but still we find a way to chit chat and teams will talk negatively about some change because it's been announced, it's been rolled out. And then, you know, it's crickets in some cases and, and reps will resist it. Uh, they'll resist any change for the most part, cause they don't want to disrupt something that in their mind might be working how they work. Right. So I've seen that probably go wrong more than I have seen to go well.
1: And I think, you know, if you, if you were to just simply focus on, What's happening in the dynamics of a conversation that's actually set up the organization for that to happen? So the water cooler talk or the resistance that comes, there will be really valid reasons for why that's happening. And it doesn't mean that everybody gets to have their way. This this isn't about, like, I get to be right or wrong at the end of the day about whether this is the direction we ought to go. But I think one of the mistakes that leaders and leadership teams make is we fail to really fully invite the full dialogue, the full conversation in at the front. And so, if we're not creating a place for let's just you know focus on the sales team. Sales team, something gets rolled out. Sales team has a real specific pushback to it but that doesn't get voiced. instead, it gets um that conversation gets had offline, you know in one-on-one conversations or in instant messaging things where people are talking about this will never work. I think the task of leaders is to find a way to bring that conversation online because if I, as a salesperson, feel like I've got a valid point, but I'm not being heard or listened to, the best you're going to get from me is compliance. And at the end of the day, that's not fun, nor is it rewarding. And it just overall... More importantly, I think the organization is missing a voice in that process. So, so if you go all the way back to some of those initial conversations, for leaders to be able to do what I, what I think is the pretty brave um, ask of really looking to surface the, the various viewpoints, even the viewpoints that push back and say, I disagree, and welcome that perspective or that difference into the conversation, I think there's a possibility for a really new idea to emerge. It's not just buy-in. I think buy-in is one aspect of it. But I think a new idea I and mean, a new concept, potentially new tweaks to that change get rolled out or, or get incorporated into the decision.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. I I have worked with one leader in the past that did a really good, I thought he did a really good job at this because we've gone through changes and you know they're always reorganizing the sales organization for some reason, right? <laughs> and it's, well, it's always because they want to grow revenue. Right. And- one of the things that he had always done really well was you know, he would have the extra calls. He would go have one-on-one calls. And by the way, it was a ton of work for him, but he would go have these conversations. And in some cases, the reps weren't really excited about maybe losing part of their territory, but at least they understood. And I think it created some uh, retention and some stability based on the way he handled it. You know, and eventually those reps kind of come on board and find ways to be successful and they kind of get over it a little bit. But I've also been in scenarios where the manager or the leaders weren't doing that. And eventually, the reps just leave, right? If it's a good, strong market, they just leave. But um, you know, I love your point about surfacing the various viewpoints. Before we jump into the topic, I wanted to let you know that we just launched a monthly drawing for one of our insulated high-tech freedom tumblers. Now, I've been sending these out as a thank you gift to each of our guests, and the response has been great. You know, everyone has a full-size coffee cup, a Yeti, or whatever brand that they might use, but not everybody has the small tumbler that you can put your wine or beverage of choice in. And they're great for the deck, beach, camping, or just you know, just keeping your drink warm or cold. Now I'm not selling these, but I am excited about them. So we decided to offer these up to the loyal podcast listeners by doing a monthly drawing. So if you're interested, go to hightechfreedom.com. Forward slash mug, that's M U G, and you'll see a picture of the Tumblr and you can enter. We'll just collect your name, phone number, and email. And if you do win, we'll then follow up and ask for your mailing address so we know where to send it. If you don't win, your name stays in so you don't need to re enter. Now, let me ask you this. In some cases, you talked about communication. Can it be just as simple as incorporating the fact that you acknowledge some of those viewpoints, even if you're not changing the plan in any way.
1: Yeah, I think sometimes, yes, it's, um, I often say nobody changes until they feel seen and heard. And I think in, um, this isn't, to, I don't, I don't mean ask people, <laughs> I don't mean disingenuinely ask people what they think so that you can, you can get to the, to the task. Sure. But yes, I do think sometimes it's just simply have you paused long enough to hear different viewpoints. So the leader that you're giving the example from, what I would say likely, potentially unconsciously, but but he had a model in which he had defined his process for leading change. Um, There was likely a belief under that of hearing different points of view, of taking the time, even though it was a lot of work. He would have had some connection to say, I do this because I believe that it's important and I'll go slow to go fast, or I'll hear all voices in order to make sure I've got people's fingerprints on the, you know, the outcomes. So I do think sometimes it doesn't mean that every, it's what I say, it doesn't mean that everybody's going to get their way or that you're going to talk to one person and and their idea is going to become the new idea. But I do think that it can shape and shift the thinking of all parties. So not just the leader um to hear the other voices but i think it's really valuable for the for all voices to hear one another in some way because you know you might have a really different perspective than what i do you work with different people or different parts of the business than than i do and it just it shapes and shifts our shared understanding of what our whole business picture looks like it's complex like no one person's going to have the full picture
0: it is complex. Well, what about if you're on the receiving end? So let's say you're an individual contributor and there's change being driven. Um are there some things that that person on the receiving end can be doing to facilitate it, or maybe even take advantage of that change to put themselves in a better situation down the road?
1: Yeah, I bring everything back to conversation. So you know, for an individual contributor, I think one of the challenges when change is happening is that we can feel like we're like change is being done to us. Uh, and it's our role to just comply or get behind it and support it and 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 that our voice doesn't matter. I think that's um, a very common narrative that emerges and I don't think it's helpful. So where you can, I think as an individual contributor, your task becomes, what, I, like what questions can you ask that are truly genuinely curious questions? Like how can you engage with leadership in a way that, Seeks to understand what they're seeing, you know, rather than just be upset about it, how can you um, invite them into a conversation? You know, I think a lot of senior leaders are in their role. They often feel like they have to have all the answers. If somebody comes to ask them a question, depending on the culture of the organization, they can get very defensive, feeling like they're often having to defend um, decisions that are made. But I think just the genuine bridging of a question into, can you help me understand, like, I'm really curious about this change. Can you help me understand what's behind it in a genuinely curious way, I think can help open up that conversation, even from an individual contributor perspective. So it's in the shaping and shifting of our, our viewpoint, what we're thinking about.
0: Yeah. I and mean, I think, yeah, so you, you touched on it, already. I mean, there's some benefits that you're going to get as an individual contributor. Maybe you better understand something. Maybe you start to feel more comfortable. So that's that's good and that's healthy. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, if you're doing that, it's a high probability that 80% of the other team members are not doing it. And, you know, it it does raise your stock up a little bit within the eyes of that leader. And so, you know, as they're executing change, change is hard, right? And they're looking for people to informally help them lead. And, you know, there's opportunities there. If you are interested in progressing in your career, moving up, taking on more responsibility, it's a fantastic way to raise your stock within the company to make that happen.
1: Yeah. I think it's really about, you know, I'm a big believer in change happens through conversations and that to have conversation, to to have really effective conversations, we need to have relationships with people. And so um Chris I think what you're pointing to is this idea of curious questions that um get directed to leaders can help to build the relationship you know it is and potentially offer up spaces where an individual contributor can also share their perspectives about well, here's what I'm seeing or here's what life is like on the ground for me um but yeah it's getting that conversation started
0: love it well, so Marsha, if uh, as we get uh, close to wrapping it up here, um, if somebody uh, was to go check out your book, what do you think would be one or two of the primary takeaways? You know, why, why, why would they want to go read it?
1: Yeah, well, I think if you are at any way, shape or form, find yourself having repetitive conversations. So I, I often say if you are having, if you work with someone and you find yourself having the same conversation over and over again. One of the ways that can help that is to have a model for how you look at conversation, the structure of conversation. Um, And I think the other part of the book is really about helping you get clear on why you do what you do. And the benefit of that is navigating difference and conflict. Um, I think there is no lack of conflict in our organizations and being able to navigate difference, how we communicate with one another. I think it either sets us up to have really effective conversations or ineffective ones. So those are two. It's a workbook. So it's definitely not a sit down and read it in one weekend. um, It's a full-color guided workbook. It's designed to sort of sit with you along a leadership development journey.
0: Yeah, Well, those are my favorite kind. Well, I better go pick it up before one of my team members sends me a copy and delivers a message. So, well, Marsha, so we'll have your uh, LinkedIn uh, link in the show notes. Is that, uh, is there another way that uh, somebody could reach out to you if they're interested?
1: LinkedIn is the best way. And I um, am pretty good about responding within 24 hours. So just tell me how you found me and I'm happy to respond.
0: Excellent. Marsha, anything else uh, that you would like to share?
1: No, just um, I, I think that it's a fabulous purpose that you're up to here. So it's great to be here. Thanks.
0: Well, thank you. You know, I'm a big believer that we always have to be learning and improving. Uh, and and as soon as you stop, you know, you're starting to shrink, and you know that's not a good thing. So I appreciate what you're doing, and uh, thanks. Thank you for coming on today. Yeah. Thank you.